From the Quadesh Family Church, Apostle Joel Obobasa will inspire you with anointed, practical, and down-to-earth Bible-based teachings that will refresh, energize, and motivate you to do your best for God. Join the Apostle now as he ministers the Word of God. What a blessing. <laughs> beautiful, 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 beautiful. Wow, what a concert we had this morning. Thank you for all those beautiful songs and thank you for um, making today special. Amen. Amen. Today is so special. I'm seeing some people. <laughs> It's too powerful. I'm very excited already. It's so wonderful. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your blessing. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will be with us, Lord. And that you would guide us and take us through your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray that your will will be done in Jesus' name. Everybody pray this morning and ask God to speak to you. Ask God to speak to you. Yes. Jesus. Yes, Lord. We pray for your will to be done in the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes, Lord. Help us, Lord. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your word and the opportunity to hear it and to share it in Jesus' name. Give us revelation, Lord. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please be seated. 
I'm very grateful. Amen. Very, very grateful. When I entered the church and I saw the balloons, wow. And you know, the cutest thing, I had um, um, Kara sitting next to me at the back, and every few minutes, she would tap me like that. And when I look at her, she would say, happy birthday. (laughs) 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 You know, it was just too nice. You know, she would be sitting there, and after that, she just tapped me. I thought she wanted to come down because she was sitting on the table. I thought she wanted to, then she would just tap me like that. And when I listened, she would say, Happy birthday. <laughs> Beautiful. So it's a blessing. Amen. And I pray that one day you will also be celebrated by some people to whom you mean something. Amen. Amen. So it's a blessing. Now, today we're really supposed to be sharing something else. But, you know, I have some leftover from from Thanksgiving. (laughs) All right. So I thought we should deal with the leftovers so that we can have a fresh meal the next time. Amen. Amen. Now, what do I mean by leftovers? Because I didn't finish sharing with you about David. But I was just looking in the book and I saw a couple more points that I thought (laughs) I'd like to bring to your attention before we close the chapter on David. Amen. So bear with me. If you know all about David already. <laughs> but in case you don't, then I have one or two more things to share with you. Amen. Great. So the last point I think we were sharing about David is the principle of not allowing rebels into your life. Okay. Don't align or don't allow rebels into your life. Don't align yourself um, uh, with people who are doing the wrong thing. Amen. Now, in my lifetime as a pastor, I've met some clever people who um, understand that they are not where they should be where church and the Lord is concerned. However, they know very well who they shouldn't keep company with. Do do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There are some people who are clever enough to make that distinction. That Listen, I may not be this, I may not be that, but I won't join you in this. Do Do you see what I'm saying? That, yeah, for you to go this way, you're too far out, man. You know, I mean, we're all bad, but you. (laughs) You take things to the far end, and I don't want to be there. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And that's what I'm talking about. You need to recognize um, it when certain people are taking things. 
He said, I don't want Siri inter interfering with my preaching. All right, keep quiet and listen to the word of God. <laughs> okay. So it's true that these devices are listening to us all the time. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So what I was saying is that we need to uh, be wise enough to know how we choose our company and who is allowed in our company and who is admitted to our company because David had this principle of not allowing rebels into his life. And when somebody came and told him that, I know Saul is your enemy and he's been out to kill you. I have good news for you. I killed him. And David said, what? <laughs> you killed the Lord's anointed, you were not afraid. Then he said, no, I don't hang out with such people. And he sent some people to get rid of the guy. He says, no, I, I don't want such people around me. I don't want people who are bold enough to rise up against authority, rise up against um, the Lord's anointed and speak in certain ways, no, I'm not going to have such a person around me. Amen. Amen. So it's important that we recognize such people. Another person came and told him that he had killed one of Saul's sons. And David said, that's not good news. That's not good news. See, if you have a best friend who walks up to you and tells you, oh, yeah, I gave my mom my peace of mind. Right there, you should know that that friendship cannot be called best anymore. It's one of your worst relationships to connect yourself to someone who um, is living in error. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Because people affect us. You see, you may not be the one doing it, but because you are attached to it. You see, like if you go outside, Reverend Modena has a car, and then he has a trailer. Now, the car is the one that has an engine that goes places. The trailer doesn't have an engine, but because it is attached to the car, it is guilty of everything the car does. Do you see what I'm saying? So when they issue a ticket, the ticket is for the whole group. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes. And if you were walking behind a trailer, you'll see that when the car, uh, the brakes on the car are applied, the brake lamp on the back of the trailer also lights up, even though it doesn't have a mind of its own. It's just connected to the one that has the mind. And so it is guilty of all the things. So when the one that has the mind even starts indicating to turn right, the trailer also starts showing a blinker that's saying right, you see. And yet it doesn't have a mind. There's no driver. There's no steering wheel in the trailer. It's just following. Its sin is that it has attached itself to a sinner. <laughs> do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so don't think that just by saying, I didn't do it, but hanging out with those who do it 
ends up making you equally guilty of whatever has been done. Do you see? Yeah. And that is the reason why people who rob the bank, when people rob the bank and so on, even drive-by shootings and so on, they're not only looking for the shooter or the one who did the robbery, but the one who helped them get away. Yeah. Also, the one whose car from which they shot or whose car was taken to the bank to rob the bank, you know, he's also in trouble. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yes. Sometimes to a lesser extent, nevertheless, you will not go scot-free. Are you getting it? And people erroneously think that Christianity is just about being nice all the time. But your Christian life will require you sometimes to not be so nice and to say to people, I can't be your friend. I can't relate with you. And the person will say, but what have I done? So, well, you haven't done anything to me, but the way you live your life makes it impossible for me to relate with you. It is also Christianity. Let me, let me show you a couple of verses just uh, because I know that it's not a very popular kind of preaching. You get it. But, you know, today being my birthday, I, I get to take some liberties. <laughs> <laughs> right. Look at Second Second Thessalonians chapter three. Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse six. Second Thessalonians. He says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would draw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Hallelujah. Can you see he's a brother? (laughs) Yeah, he's a brother. So it's not every brother we keep company with. Do you get it? And there are brothers and sisters who are confusion causes in churches. Yes, confusion causes. And I realize that because he's a brother, it confuses everybody. And people feel that if I don't talk to such a brother, or if I don't relate with such a brother, if I, uh, you know, then am I being Christian? Do you, do you get it? Because even people who don't ever read it from the Bible somehow feel that Christianity is all including. <laughs> do you see? All including, and Christianity accepts everybody. Christianity embraces everybody. That is true to a degree. Do you understand? It is true to a degree. God wants everybody to come to him. And that is true. But God expects our behavior to change as we keep walking with him. Do you see? And so this is right there from the Bible. Is it in your Bible or is it just from the screen? Check your own Bible as well so that it doesn't look like it's in the church Bible. <laughs> is it? Did you bring this verse from your house to the church? Right? Is it in your Bible? The one you brought from your house? Okay. Look at it. It says, I command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition he received from us. For you yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. Do you, do, you, do you get it? So this is a pastor, this is a leader who is saying and, and campaigning for his members to not relate with certain brothers and show them who to relate with, that you need to follow us, not such a person. Can you see that? And it's based on behavior. And he says, you know how we did not behave ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat. Yeah, we need, we need a couple more. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> you see the thing. Yes. So it says in verse 8, Neither did we eat any man's bread for nothing, but wrought with labor and travail day and night, that we might make ourselves not chargeable to any of you. And it says, it not, It's not because we don't have the power, but to make ourselves an example unto you. Are you getting it? Yes. In, in the other version, New Living Translation, it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they receive from us. Do you see what I'm saying? So don't be confused just because the person is a believer or the person is a pastor. There are pastors who cause confusion in churches. Yes. I know some pastors who have caught and created confusion in churches and even the members cannot belong to the church anymore in a certain wholesome way. Yes. But because the person is called pastor or reverend or whatever else their title is, it confuses the flock and they feel an obligation to relate. Do you see what I'm saying? Or you don't see my... Yeah. They feel an obligation to relate. But from this verse, my obligation to relate with you is supposed to be for as long as you are following the traditions and the scriptures and the word of God as it has been taught to us. You get it? That means, that's why Paul told somebody, follow me as I follow Christ. That means when I stop following Christ, don't follow me. You see? So when someone stops being a certain way or stops living a certain way, then our obligation to continue to follow that person is supposed to cease. Are you getting the picture? Maybe you're not convinced. Let me give you another verse. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Romans 16 and verse 17. Romans 16 and verse 17. Now this one says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Okay, this one says, Now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out, <laughs> right? It says, watch out for who? Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teachings contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. 
Do you see? Yes. So even this person here, this time, he's a teacher. <laughs> you get it? He's not just a brother. But he's upsetting other people's faith by the things he's teaching, both by what he's saying and also by his lifestyle. And he says, stay away from such people. So a person who starts to tell you, leave the church, leave the church. Huh, where do I know you from? I met you in the church. Now you have become a person who because of you, I have to leave the church. No, then I have to stay away from you. Even you may have brought me to the church. But you see, everybody is introduced to Christ by someone. If you read the, 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 the Bible, you will see how Jesus met this one. And then that one brought his brother. Then this one went, he met this one. Then this one brought his brother. And he met this one, this one brought his brother. You get it. Everybody will be brought to Christ by someone. But it is Christ who, who uses the person. It's not God's way of making the person sort of, giving the person ownership of you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. He's a vessel that God is using to bring you to him. Yes, and for that, yes, you are grateful. But it doesn't mean that when that person starts walking in a disorderly way, then you also must now follow the person or flow in that same disorderly way. Why? Because this is the one who introduced me to the church. Is it making sense? Yes. He yes. says, because of the person's teaching. Now, look at it. Look at the next verse. The next verse says in verse 18, for they that are such, okay, which version are we reading? There are two versions, so he said, okay, King James, okay. It says that for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. You get it? Good words and fair speeches. Now, go to the other version and let's see how that is rendered over there. What does it say? Such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ. They are serving their own personal interests by smooth talk and glowing words. They deceive innocent people. Can you see that? Yeah. Yes. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. People who the Bible is calling them, says the simple. They deceive the simple. Innocent people. Unsuspecting people. People who are not expecting that such a person can have a negative motive. Wow. Why? Because he's a teacher. Can you see that? Yes. So he says, watch out for such people, for they are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they are not serving a lot. A lot of things pass under, I'm doing it for the Lord. It's not for the Lord. You can't be serving the Lord Jesus Christ when the effect of your words and your actions are scattering the people he died for. You can't be serving Jesus Christ. You can't be serving Jesus Christ. 
when you are upsetting the faith of people, when by reading the things you write, by hearing the things you say, by listening to the things you teach, they become confused. Confused about their churches, confused about their pastors who have been with them and served them for a long time and preached to them for years. You force them to start to see and discern evil in people who have been good to them. Does it take so long to see evil? Is it possible that someone can be your pastor for three, four, five years and you don't see that he's evil except for when you hear someone for five minutes? (laughs) What you didn't see in five years. Should it take an encounter with someone for five minutes for you to see that? Come on. Are you understanding the word of God? Yes. So you see that in a second instance, the Bible is telling people to withdraw. And what is the effect of these people? He said, go back to verse 17. What are they doing wrong? He says, these are people who are causing divisions. Divisions and offenses. Give me the other version. People, people, um, um, 17. One, let me make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions. Do you get it? They break up, they break up things that are together. And soon you have a group that says, no, we are no more part. I mean, I have had people who have been with this church, not in this branch, in another place. You know, they've been in the church for years, years. I've known them, known their children since they were little children. You know, prayed for them, fellowshiped with them, and so on. And then one person decides that I am now living and doing this and that. And then the person takes them away. And now these same people don't even want to talk to me anymore. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that the Bible is talking about. And I haven't done anything to them. Or so I think. (laughs) Maybe I'm the one who's deceived. But I haven't done anything to them. I'm very unlikely to have done something to them because I'm not even in the same city with them. They are not people I see and so on and so forth. But the Bible says people who cause such things, mark them. Mark people who make, it says watch out for such people, you know, and stay away from them. Yeah. So if I know someone like that, I would stay away from them without apology. I would. Yes, and I'm not doing anything wrong. You see what I'm saying? But I know it feels unchristian. Because Christianity is love everybody. (laughs) You get it? Yes. And a lot of things that are pushed under the banner of Christianity are not things people have read themselves. It just feels right. (laughs) Do, do, Do you see what I'm saying? It just feels right. It just feels like it's okay or it must be the Christian way. Why? Because it's nice always. Because it's accommodating always. No, but Christianity has standards. Christianity has standards. God has such standards. God draws certain lines in certain places and says that if you do this, you can't do this. 
I think one more could do. First Corinthians chapter five and verse eleven. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother, <laughs> do you, do you see? <laughs> yes. So this is not non-believers. <laughs> you know, this is not non-believers. But a, bro- a man that is called a brother, do you see, be a fornicator, right? A, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. He says, with such an one, no, not to eat. <laughs> you know, what, what's the other version? <laughs> what, what, what's the other version? It says, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. You get it? Christians who cheat people... (laughs) You see, Christian scammers. <laughs> or believing hackers. <laughs> you get it? He said, do not keep such a... But what I like is how it says, listen, don't even eat with such people. That means it's okay that when such a person is having a function, that you say, I will not attend it. Can you see that? Or that there's a party in a place and this person is going to come. Then I'm not going to that party. Do you you see what I'm saying? Why? Because I'm going to eat. I will not eat with such a person. Yes. If you're coming there, I'm not coming there. It's all in the Bible. But it is one of those things that does not sound, because Christianity sounds like you must eat with everybody. (laughs) Doesn't Christianity sound like that? Jesus ate with sinners. Yes. Jesus ate with sinners. Well, I thank God that this one is not even talking about sinners. This one is about believers. (laughs) Yes. As for sinners, there's a whole lot we have to do with them. That's the only way. I mean, sinners, when they are sinning, they are just being themselves. They are just doing what they know to do. And if we are serious about winning them, then we have to go to where they are. We may find them doing what they are doing. You get it? And we just have to fit, wait for them to finish. And then we just... So you walk on upon a sinner who is seriously kissing some girl. You just have to wait on the side with your truck and just... just Wait, when, when they finish, then you just ask, brother, Jesus loves you, you know. I just came to let you know that Jesus, so, sorry for interrupting, I'm, I'm so sorry for interrupting, yeah, but just, I just wanted to remind you, tomorrow is church, and um, I wanted to invite you to come to know the Lord, you know, and that's, yeah, that, and, and that's it. 
oh, I want to say the sinner's prayer with you. And, oh, but when you finish. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here. I have time. Just, just get on with it. And when you finish. Yeah. So we should not be surprised. You know, a believer who is so shocked when you see sinners doing certain things, you, you are not very mature. You don't know what sinners do. You've forgotten. <laughs> you get it. So you should relax and not be so moved when you come into some of these situations. But now we're talking about those who should know better. Do you get it? Those who should know better. Those who have been saved. Those who have tasted of the power of God. Those who should know by now, just judging from how long they've been in the Lord. Or even some who have held leadership positions. Who should know better. But who are acting to cause confusion in the church. The Bible says don't go to a party with them. Don't eat with them. That's what the Bible says. Yes, anybody who wants to challenge that, you just bring me your own Bible and show me what your Bible says. So it means I shouldn't feel bad when so-and-so is having a funeral or is having a celebration of some sort. But because so-and-so is going to be there who is a known Confucianist, I decide that I'm not going to go. Do you see? Yes. And they're going to bring all sorts of accusations. As for these church people, QFC people, uh, Lighthouse people, uh, First Love people, they mention all sorts of names and they accuse us of being antisocial and being this. Look at it. The Bible is teaching antisocialism. <laughs> if this is antisocial behavior, then so says the word of God. If it, is, if it is being antisocial, then that's what it is. So brothers and sisters who do not behave properly, they are supposed to be avoided. Say amen. amen. And that's what the Bible is saying. I'm giving you three verses. Yes, if you think otherwise, you bring me, not three, just two. <laughs> amen. And I believe that um, that was the kind of person, person David was. That David wouldn't entertain certain people in his company. Amen. Right. Now, the next principle is the principle of being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. David was someone who did not take chances or make assumptions. He always tried to seek God's face concerning anything he was doing. Amen. Now in 1 Samuel chapter 23, there is an interesting story there. What you would find about David when you're reading about him is very commonly, the Bible would say, and David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. That David was always seeking God's direction. And there's a beautiful example here that we should look at. 
First um, Samuel chapter twenty-three. First Samuel chapter twenty-three. Have you found First Samuel chapter twenty-three and verse one? It says one day news came. News came to David that the Philistines were at Kayla stealing grain from the threshing floors. <laughs> David asked the Lord, should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Kayla, the Lord told him. Now you see, right there you can see that David already has a sense that what is going on is wrong. And he feels an urge to intervene. Nevertheless, he feels that it's still important for me to check with the Lord whether the fact that I feel like doing it makes it the right move to do. Do you see The fact that I feel like doing that or the fact that it doesn't seem right to me means I must intervene. Do you see? So David asked the Lord, should I go and attack them? And the Lord told him, yes, go and save Caleb. But David's men said, we are afraid even here in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Kayla to fight the whole Philistine army. So David asked the Lord again, and again the Lord replied, Go down to Kayla, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. So David and his men went to Kayla. They slaughtered the Philistines and took all their livestock and rescued the people of Kayla. Now when Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Kela. He brought the ephod with him. Saul soon learned that David was at Kela. Good, he exclaimed. We've got him now. God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself in a walled town. So Saul mobilized his entire army to march to Kela. And besieged David and his men. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abiathar the priest to bring the effort and ask the Lord what he should do. Then David prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Caleb because I am here. <laughs> Will the leaders of Caleb betray me to him? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? Oh Lord God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, he will come. (laughs) Do you see? And again, David asked, will the leaders of Caleb betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, yes, they will betray you. Can you see that? Yes. The Lord replied, 
yes, they will betray you. Now, what I want us to see here is how David was walking real close to the Lord always. And David was always checking with the Lord. David never assumed anything. And it took inquiring of the Lord to know that these people, even though I've been good to them, they will betray me. You see, David could have assumed that because he has been good to these people, because we, you see how we read the story, that these people, the, the people of Kayla, were in big trouble. The Philistines were attacking them, and David took it upon himself. He just felt, this is not right. This is not right. But he said, let me just check with the Lord, because it is not everything that seems not right to you that God wants you to step in. Do you, do you understand? Yes. Even sometimes doing good to people, you know, it's good to pray about it. It's good to pray about it because conditions, especially negative conditions, usually have a reason why they are that way. Do you, do you understand? Yes. I mean, generally speaking, yes, do good to all men is what the Bible says. But there are some situations you need to pray about it. What I mean is that if you're at the stoplight and someone is, you know, panhandling and asking for money, that's not a time to go on a prayer fasting, you know. You, you have until the light turns green <laughs> to just take your decision. Do you get it? And, and you're a Christian man. Let the Lord touch your heart. You get it? And whatever the person's reason is for begging, I don't know, they are just begging. It's not a time to make an analysis about beggars and the average income of the average beggar and so on and so forth. All those things will talk you out of giving. <laughs> do, you, do you see what I'm saying? So if someone is standing there and he's begging and asking for something and you are able to help the person, just help. The Bible says giving must be with simplicity. It's either you have and you give or you don't have and you drive on when the light is green. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'm talking about other more complicated situations. You know, other more complicated, even like somebody wants to move in with you. You see, someone wants to move in with you. You may have to pray about it first. Yes, you may have to pray about it. That where is this going to lead? What's going to happen? For some people, as they are moving in, that's going to be the end of the relationship. Yes, that's going to be the end of the relationship that qualified them to come. Do you, do you understand? I'm talking about best friends. Yeah. yeah, best friends. Someone you've related with, your best friend from school or something, and you've been together, but moving together, you see, it just something just erupts. <laughs> and then everything starts to change. And these are things you can know. And the Lord would tell you, don't do this. Do you understand? What happens is that many of us don't wait on the Lord, don't pray about anything. You know, we just act as it seems good to us. Do, 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 do you get it? So here is David. He's in this situation and he prays about it. And God says, yes, attack the people. So he attacks the people. Then later, the Philistines are now coming back to take their revenge, you know, 
uh, that not the Philistines, I'm sorry, Saul is now coming to fight um, Kayla because of David. Someone has told him David is among those people. So he gathers his men and he's coming to fight. But then he has this habit of always checking with God before he does even the obvious. Do you see what I'm saying? So he goes to the Lord and he asks, Lord, it's, he said, are these people going to betray me? Then the second question is, is Saul going to come here at all? Then God starts answering the questions with the last one first. That as for Saul, he's really coming. And he's silent about the people of Caleb. So David could have assumed that if Saul is coming, the people of Caleb have been good to them. So as I've been good to them, I know that these people are going to be good to me. They owe me some goodness. And he could have made his decision to remain with them. But instead, he went back to the Lord. Yes, Lord, there was one question you didn't answer. I want to ask again, will these people betray me when Saul comes? And the Lord said, yes, they will. I know you didn't expect them to. I know you thought you didn't deserve that. I know you thought they could never do such a thing. But my answer is that they will. The people will tell Saul that you are here. And they will deliver you to the hands of Saul. This was a truth that only prayer revealed to David. Are you getting it? Many times we don't know how things will end up. But if we would have prayed about it, you may be surprised that what seems very good to you, the Lord will tell you still, this is not a road for you. This is not a good move. Even though it looks very inviting, it looks like the obvious move to make, it looks like it is the way to go. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that road leads to destruction. The road that leads to destruction doesn't have a sign at the front of it saying destruction lane. <laughs> Do you see? Yeah. It never says that. It always has an appeal. It always feels like it's the right thing. And the only thing that can save us is time with the Lord. Intentionally seeking the Lord concerning the decisions and the choices we make. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. And not making assumptions. Don't assume that it's going to work for you because it's worked for everybody else. For some people, that will be your last journey. Yes. That's why you need to commit your way to the Lord. Pray about things. Pray about even very simple things. Do you understand? Seek the Lord. That's why these flow prayer meetings that we have and so on. I mean, you, don't, you will never know. May God give you a revelation of how much harm you're doing to yourself by not participating in some of these prayers. Because most of the flow prayer meetings, we don't even pray for 
the church or most of the prayer has to do with ourselves. Yeah, we're praying often something to do with you about the future, about your life, about what is to come. And those are the sort of prayers that we, God's will be done. God deliver me from evil. Praying for mercy and different kinds of things. Praying about secret sins. Pride in us. Praying for God's mercy. Praying about our lust. Yes. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, lust, it feels like the leading of the Lord. <laughs> It feels like the leading of the Lord, I tell you. I think I once heard a preacher tell a story about uh, it was either a horse or a donkey that was very, very thirsty. And it saw, no, I think it was very hungry. And then it saw a stack of hay on the left. And then it saw uh, something else to the right which was not edible. And the donkey decided to pray to seek the face of the Lord. To ask whether the Lord wanted him to go to the left or to the right. Because to the right is where his food was. And to the left, there was nothing for him. What do you think the Lord said to the donkey? <laughs> that the Lord should go to where the food is, isn't it? Yeah. That is how it is. When we're being led by our own lusts, it feels like it is the Lord. It feels so right. You know, like sometimes you meet someone, you like him so much that it is so much like the will of the Lord. <laughs> you get it? How can God... I mean, how can this not be God? <laughs> you see, every part of you is so drawn to this person. It must be the Lord. <laughs> you get it? It must be the Lord. I mean, it feels so right. I mean, you know, it feels like you met your soulmate. <laughs> you see, yes. He checks all the boxes. And your boxes are a lot. <laughs> you see. Yeah, he checks all the boxes. And even just recently, you added one last box. You get it? And I mean, you can't believe that he checks that one too. Because this box is new. <laughs> you see, how can someone be so packaged perfectly? You see, according to your wish list, it must be the Lord. Well, maybe it is, but pray about it. Take the time. Be like David and say, Lord, I want to inquire about this. And don't be afraid to ask the difficult questions. Because David dared to ask the Lord the difficult question. Will these people betray me? Instead of assuming it or assuming that something else would happen. He said, let me just check. And he asked the Lord, Lord, tell me truly, will this person leave me in the middle of our journey? You should ask that question. And not to assume that such a person cannot do such a thing. Yeah. 
How is this possible? He said, will this person do this? And to his surprise, the Lord said, the people of Kela, with all their smiles and their so-called gratitude, because when David delivered them, they were so grateful. Yeah. And David was probably not ready for that answer, but he just asked anyway and said, Lord, you tell me, tell me, tell me. Because what you think about it is more important to me than how I feel about it. But you tell me. And to his surprise, God said, yes. These people will betray you. You watch. You will save yourself a lot of surprises if you would inquire of the Lord. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You want to embark on a journey? You want to do a certain kind of business? You want to you know, partner with somebody to do something, pray about it. Don't assume that the smiles will be there forever. Don't assume that the smiles equal success. Don't make that assumption that it's working today means it's guaranteed to work forever. No. Take your time. We're talking about a God who knows the end from the beginning. God knows everything. And God knows the end from the beginning. Do you see? Yeah, there are things on the road that you don't know. You know, last week we were traveling in um, Nicaragua. And um, we were, yeah. Yeah, you should be there. (laughs) (laughs) But on the road... We noticed something. Sometimes the vehicles coming would flash their lights. They would flash their lights. And then Bishop Ernest told us, you know what that means? He said the people are telling us the police is ahead. Yes. But from where we were, we couldn't see the police. Do you see? But they who were coming from where we were going knew that the police was there because they had seen them. Do you you get it? There are things on the road that you don't know because of where you are. Do you get it? There are some things you will never see because of where you are. For example, when you are in love with someone, you are at a place. (laughs) Some things you just can't see (laughs) from that place. It will only take someone who is not in love with that person to see. Are you getting it? Yes. Because they say love is blind. Yeah. (laughs) That's what they say. But I see that the Bible has carefully not said that. (laughs) Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it would take, it's, it's a place yeah. when your heart has already been smitten. Or sometimes, sometimes just where you are. You see, you, you, you feel you're a certain age by this time, you should have met someone. That itself and that condition, that state of mind also puts you at a place. Do you get it? So a lot of things look good to you. A lot of people look like options to you. And they are not options, but they look like options. 
because of where you are. The Bible says when a man is hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. You want to see it? Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 7. Okay, read it from the other verse first. Read it from King James first. Proverbs 27 and verse 7. Okay. The full soul loatheth what? An honeycomb. But to the hungry soul Every bitter thing is sweet. <laughs> Can you see that? that? That's a prayer topic right there. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. What is the next, the, the, the other version, the other version? The other version says, a person who is full refuses honey. Now, honey is supposed to be sweet. You get it. But when a person is full, even honey does not appeal to him. Do you get it? But even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. Do do you get it? So it looks like your hunger has turned a lot of things into options for you. Which really are not options. Do you get it? But I can understand it. Because you're hungry. Do you see? Yes, you're hungry. That is why things you shouldn't eat. You know, when you're fasting, dry sourdough bread. (laughs) No, dry, dry. Okay, toasted and forgotten. Do you know how sometimes you leave something in the toast and you forget it? And you come back in the evening and it has... Matured. <laughs> yeah. Now, if it was on any of your normal days, it would go straight into the trash. But here you are, you are returning from the fasting and prayer meeting. You see, yeah. You can't wait. And you start munching on that. Do you see? Yeah. But a person who is full, and that's why sometimes you must give yourself some experiences to reduce the hunger. Yeah. You must give yourself some experiences. You get it. If you're a young lady, give yourself a treat. If you can afford it, take yourself out. So when someone takes you out, it's not heaven. (laughs) Do do, do, do you see what I'm saying? Buy yourself. What what do you want to eat? Yes, buy yourself just some food. Just eat it. Yeah, so that if someone, yeah, go watch a movie, yes. So that if someone takes you out a little bit, I mean, I mean, Chinese, the one at the mall. (laughs) The food court. You get it. Now, because of food court, you don't come to church. You're backsliding completely. 
Because someone took you to the food court. <laughs> oh. No. It's because you have starved yourself. Take yourself to a fine place. Fine dining. Dress up nicely. You get, don't go to a place where you can eat with jeans. No. Go to a place where they will tell you, look, you need to change your jeans. Place where you can only eat in slacks. You get it? Yes. And a nice top and with your hair done properly. Do you get it? Yes. Sorry. On the, on the menu, it says what? Market price. That's what... It, uh, there's no number. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. They don't, they don't say how much the food costs. Yes, right. Yes. Whatever it costs on that day is what you are going to pay. Yeah. So, the, yeah. so you go to one of those places. Yes. Where the chef will explain the food. People have experiences. Oh. Yeah. Same for the brothers. Give yourself a treat. Yeah. Give yourself. Know what good food tastes like. So if someone cooks a little meal for you, you are not mesmerized. You are completely dazed and confused because she cooked something nice for you. Oh. Because you've been into McDonald's and in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. <laughs> Too many trips to in and out has destroyed and ruined your taste buds. Do you see? Yeah. So take yourself to some place. You know, <laughs> and eat good. Yeah. And try different things and be familiar with the things so that you can really reduce the appetite. Do you get it? The hunger is too much. You get it? So you can regain consciousness. <laughs> You get it? So you can regain consciousness and your thinking faculties can resume work. You see? Yeah. And then you can now analyze what you're seeing and think carefully through what you're seeing and take your time to pray and not be so driven by your hunger because for some people, the hunger also makes everything urgent. You get it. It's because you are hungry that eating is so urgent. But if you were not so hungry, you would be able to wait a little bit. Yes, you'd be able to wait a little bit. You know, I guess maybe that's why they even serve us appetizers at restaurants. So that we can, we can give them time. You know, yeah. You get it. Because it takes time to cook a steak well. You know, you need some time. So yeah, here's some bread, just chew on it. And you can tell from how much bread people are eating. <laughs> you get it, yeah. That this is how they would have addressed the main meal. You see, yeah. So we need to pray about things. That's the whole point.
Don't miss it. Pray about things. Let's pray about it. Amen. Amen. You're getting a new job. Don't assume that because it's offering six figures, it must necessarily be better than the other one. (laughs) See, (laughs) the other one, the other one may be offering five figures. You get it. But it's five figures plus your life. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And the other one is six figures and your life. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. And only God knows the difference because we are all natural people who will naturally know that six is better than five. Isn't it? Yes. So we'll all just be moving towards the six-figure income because we assume that must be the will of God. I mean, if, how can it be? The will of God between five and six. The will of God must be six. <laughs> yeah. You see, yeah. How do you think Jesus was able to know that the devil was the one telling him to turn stones into bread? Because the Bible says he had been fasting and he was very hungry. So being very hungry, the thought that turned stones into bread must have been very appealing. You get it? But it takes the most spiritual person to see the voice of the devil even in the most appealing temptation. You get it? And so he said, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. In other words, what you're telling me to do is not the only response to the way I'm feeling right now. Do you get it? Yes. That what the word says about this is also a response. And I choose that over the urgent need to satisfy this feeling that I have. So you may have an urgent need. I want to get married by, what is it, 2023 which is only five weeks from now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Lord must move. (laughs) You get it. And if the Lord doesn't move, (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) move. You know, because sometimes the Lord is a little slow. So, what I do is I make my move and then Invite him to come along. (laughs) Or because he loves me, he'll follow me. (laughs) Do you see? Yeah, and then before you know it, you have made yourself, you know, connect with someone you shouldn't be with. Do you get it? Someone you shouldn't be with. It's not everyone you can be with. You get it? It's not everyone you can be with. That I want someone and you also want someone doesn't mean we're meant for each other. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so we need to be careful. That's what David did. And that was beautiful. Amen. Amen. Now the last one. Do you still have time for a last one? Okay. All right. Let me just share briefly. Last one is the principle of having a pastor. Okay. The principle of having a pastor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And having a pastor simply means having someone who can speak into your life. Okay? 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Yeah. Okay. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Well, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And verse number 2. 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse number... All right, we can start with verse 1. When King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go tell my servant David. This is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet, no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to the Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people. Now, right there, you can see how people make progress and advancement and who is behind it. Because the Lord is saying to David that you may seem to be someone who has really advanced. You've done well for yourself, as some would say. You know, you used to be a keeper of sheep and I, you have moved from there and now you are a leader of God's people. But God is saying, I'm the one that did it. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people. I have been with you wherever you have gone. And I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where there will be there will never be, they will never be dis disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they have done in the past. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you. A dynasty of kings. 
For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with a rod like any father would. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. Amen. Amen. Right. So we can see clearly what happens when a person has a pastor. Amen. Amen. That you must have somebody in your life who speaks into your life, someone who helps to bring up issues that perhaps others are afraid to confront. Do you see? Someone who you respect and someone who um, has the right of access as given by you. Do you get it? Yes. You give the person permission to step into your life and speak into your life. That's who a pastor is. Amen. And David had someone like that. So you can see that when David was thinking about what to do, you know, he's wanted, he wanted, it just looked appalling to him that his house where he lived looked better than the tent where the presence of God was. And he wanted to do something about it. So he invited the prophet. He said, please come and see me. I want to discuss something with you. And then when the prophet came in, he said to him that, you know, one thing has been bothering me a lot. I want, I want to talk about it. And that is the state of the church where God's presence is. The, 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 the place looks shabby even compared to my house. I'm the king. Look at my place. He's the king of kings. His place must look better. You know, so Nathan said to him, well, you're thinking correctly, so feel free. Do what is in your heart. And he encouraged him to do it. What the Bible is showing us is a relationship that existed where David had someone with whom he could discuss his plans. You get it? Yes, with whom he could share. And so when you notice how that after David had said that to Nathan, then God was now going to tell David his opinion about what he had purpose to do. And that opinion, God revealed that only to Nathan. Do you, do you understand? He didn't say it to David. But he said to Nathan, go and tell David, my servant. And it wasn't even like David went, uh, Nathan went to ask the Lord, Lord, David said he wants to build you a house. Um, um, what, do you, what do you think about it or something? No. He was just there when God gave him a message. 
Now, if David didn't have Nathan, David would have gone on to start building a house and assume again that it, because it's a good thing, it is the will of God and he would be wrong. But that's when God spoke to Nathan and said, go tell my servant David that, you know, he shouldn't even bother with a house for me. That um, I've never complained about not, oh, that I've never felt homeless. <laughs> right? But the fact that he thought about it is a blessing to me. So I'm going to do this and that and that and that for him. So Nathan is the one who came to tell David, God says he's going to build you rather a house. He's going to bless you. He's going to bless. And one of the things he's going to do is that he will establish a dynasty and people, kings will come from your family. And he says, your children, you know, one of them is going to be king. And if he messes up, I'll discipline him. But one thing I'll never do is to take my favor away from him because he's your son. And David felt so blessed. Do you get it? Now, why do you think David was able to talk with Nathan about his plans like that? Because they had already a relationship. You get it? The first time we are introduced to Nathan, what has happened is that David has killed somebody. <laughs> oh, la, la. Do you see, David has killed somebody and has gone to stay in his house coolly as if nothing has happened. <laughs> Do you see? So, um, oh dear, Second Samuel chapter 12. Let me show that to you and we're close. Amen. Please, bear with me today. I get, I get to have some small extra time. Yeah. All right. So, 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 1. So, the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David the story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. <laughs> as surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. 
And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Even the wives. (laughs) Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because you have done what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes. And he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Then verse 13, then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Then Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. And Nathan returned home to his, returned to his home. After Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill. They said, what drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He's dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. And his advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For as I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he's dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. Is, is he not a, an amazing person? Yes. You see, he knows how to move on. And how not to sit around an issue forever. And to realize what's lost is lost. And to step forward and rather reach forth for what is to come. So in verse 24, it says, David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And David named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child. And sent word through Nathan, the prophet, that they should name him Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord, as the Lord had commanded. (laughs) Right. Okay. So they're having a naming ceremony. Nathan shows up again. 
Right. So we've seen, I'm just closing, listen to this. We've seen Nathan show up in David's life three times. The first time we read, David was discussing his plans with him. The second time, he was rebuking David about what he had done wrong. And then the third time, he's now involved with David's family. They are naming a child, etc. God has given him a name to give to David's um, son. Hallelujah. I want to say to you that try not to live your life without the inclusion of someone through whom God can reach you. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. David had a personal relationship. There's no doubt if you were to read on, you will find after Nathan left the house, after Nathan went to tell him about God saying he was going to establish his house and all those things, he says, David went to the Lord. David went to sit before the Lord and he went to thank the Lord for what Nathan had just told him. Do you get it? So it's not a replacement for your relationship with God. Do you get it? God is not intending to replace himself by giving you a pastor. There is no pastor who can replace God to anyone. But you notice that God knows the person, but he seems to still choose to work through a man to reach people. So all the things he had to tell David, including the story that David, you know, about what he had done to Uriah. You know, he sent it through a man. Is is the man, Nathan, who came to sit before David and told him that this is the story, you know, that happened and so on. And then the man says, David says, you know, the one who has done this is going to die. You see. And then uh, Nathan says, you are the man. You are the man. Everybody needs someone who can tell him, you are the man. You are the woman. Yeah. Your behavior is wrong. Whose behavior? Your behavior. Yeah. Everybody, and stop it now, yes. Everybody needs that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. I have someone in my life who tells me, stop it. Do this. One time I was flying somewhere. I got on the plane. I was just putting my bag up there like that. I was just in the process when my phone rang. But you see, my headpiece was in my ear, so I heard it. And you know how the phone will ask you, should I answer? I said, yes. (laughs) You know? And just as I was putting in, my pastor, the prophet, was on the call. And then they were making an announcement, you know, on the plane. So that's how he knew I was on the plane. He said, why? Where are you going? And I told him where I was going. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> Get off the plane. <laughs> so the bag was going like that. And I just pulled it right back. And the people were asking, you know, what, it's like, what is going on? Because now I have people behind me, and so you don't know what's going on. <laughs> if I get on this plane, <laughs> you may have another story of Jonah. 
it's so much better for you if I get off this plane now. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. You must have somebody who can tell you, my friend, back out of that alley. Where you're going is not a good place for you. Don't do it. Even though it feels and seems right, you should not do it. But many people don't have that. The first person God gives to you like that are your parents. Yeah, someone who can speak and say, stop it. But what it is is that we all get to a point where we now outgrow that in a way. God has made it that way. God has made, as you you grow up, your dependence on parents seems to fade gradually. Gradually, yes. Until there's a place of zero dependence. You don't depend on them. Even in some cases, it actually flips. And then they start to depend on you. You bless them. Even they seek your advice on so many things. Do do, Do you get it? Yeah, it's just the way God has made it. But the voice of a pastor is a voice that everybody needs. Everybody needs somebody. You need someone in your life. And you need to be humble enough to have such a person. And that person must be able to tell you when you're going wrong. You must give that person permission to do so. You see, and David's relationship with with Nathan in the later one that we read, you see that is based on a previous one. Do you see? Yes, because he was the same person who had told him when he had messed up that what you did is wrong. You don't do that. You don't take somebody's wife and kill the person and you start having children with the person. No, you know, yeah, you can't do that. You cannot do that. Yes. So prophet, prophesy my son will live. No, he's going to die. (laughs) Yeah. No, he's going to die. This one will die. Yeah. And David goes to fast and pray. Prayer and fasting ain't changing nothing. (laughs) You messed up. And somebody must tell you. That's why David didn't fight for the child. When the child died, you know, he said, bring me some food. <laughs> yeah, just when he put on some nice, you know, what kind of lotion do you think it was? <laughs> huh? Obey. Is that some designer lotion? About $45. And it's for men. Yeah, yeah. Pastor Charles, cocoa butter is two ninety nine. Pastor Charles. Two ninety nine. It's going to make your skin black. <laughs> or white. <laughs> he has to treat himself. Juicy. But David went for some lotion and tried to because he saw that this was a real problem. He agreed with the pastor when the pastor spoke. And he didn't resist it. You know, another person could have said, excuse me. I mean, this is my private life. Okay. I may be a member of your church. I may come from time to time and so on. But what's private is private. You get it? And what I do with you know, other people. In other words, I'm not giving you authority over my sexual life. (laughs) 
I hope you understand, sir. So please, it's, it's, it's between me and, um, you know, yeah. That's what somebody would have said. You get it? Yeah. Or pastor, listen, you just preach the word. <laughs> you get it. Your job is to preach the word. So just preach the word. Please don't interfere with my personal life. But no, David sat down, he listened carefully, and when the, king fi- the man finished, his only comment was, honestly, I feel that the person who has done this must die. Mm. Then the prophet said, you are the one. Then he said, oh. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Hmm. <laughs> hmm. And he went after he said, You are the one. Then that's when he said, The Lord said, I gave you this, I gave you that, I gave you your master, his wives, his house, everything I gave you. And each time he would say, Hmm. <laughs> I gave you your master's houses. Hmm. I gave you his wives. Mm. And then he said to him, and if it had not been enough, I would have given you more, much more, if you wanted more. But for you to take somebody's one wife, no. It's wrong. And you are cursed. Yes. And David does not fight back. He does not argue. Very quick to admit his wrong. And to see that I made a mistake. And instead of asking and being caring about his reputation and wondering, so who knows this? Who is going to, you know, if the pastor knows, so a lot of people are going to know. You know David is not, does not even tell Nathan, oh, excuse me, please. Please don't tell anyone. <laughs> you know, he does not even care about that. You get it? I want to encourage all of you, you know, a pastor is given to be a blessing. Amen. Amen. And everybody needs one. You need a pastor. You need someone that can counsel you. Someone who will speak into your life. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says, I will give you pastors according to my heart who shall feed you with what? Knowledge and understanding. Bring it. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you. Where is it? Yes. I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Amen. Amen. Feeding is something that must happen. Amen. Amen. Yes. When God makes someone your feeder, it means he's referring to an encounter that is more than once. Do you get it? The one who puts a continuous supply of whatever is being fed to you into your mouth. And he says, I will give you, they are done by pastors and I shall give you pastors according to my heart. We shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So not relating with your pastor, not sharing with your pastor, not inviting your pastor into your life, not allowing pastors into your life, you see, is robbing you of knowledge and understanding that God 
otherwise would have you have. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. It's, it's just like that. That's, I don't know why God chooses to do that. Why, if God wants to give me knowledge and understanding, why doesn't he put it in my head? And you can ask the Lord why. <laughs> you get it? Yes. If God wants me to be healthy, why do I have to see a doctor? Do you see? Yeah. So anything God wants to do, he doesn't have to use all these people and so on. Pastors are human beings, but God uses them. Do you get it? Yes, they have problems. You see, it's like police car. The fact that you're a police car doesn't mean you're excluded from flat tires. Do you get it? But it's still a different kind of car. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And sometimes you go to a mechanic's place and you see at the dealership, you see your car is there and the police car has also come. Because it's also a car at the end of the day. The same car that chases you, the same car that has been harassing you, flagging you, writing you tickets. Now here it is. It also needs an alternator just like yours. (laughs) But it is what it is. Do you understand? God puts a mandate on pastors to be able to serve his people. And through them, he reaches them and he blesses his people with knowledge and understanding. Amen. Amen. So use your pastors. Don't abuse them, but use them. To abuse a pastor is to put him to wrong use. (laughs) Do do, do you understand? Don't send your pastor to go and collect a debt for you. (laughs) Do you get it? That's abusing the pastor. (laughs) Amen. But use your pastors. You know, God has given us so many of them around here, I think our church has one of the highest pastor to church member ratios. You get it? Mm -hmm. So, you should use the pastors. Call the pastors. Have a relationship with the pastor. Have a discussion. Have a conversation. I have a crush on this guy. What, What do you think? Then the pastor will tell you right there. That guy is not available, you know. He's not available. That's somebody's husband right there. Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. I see him come and go. Yeah. One of these days he'll go and not come back because he belongs already to someone. And you have a conversation with your pastor. And through that, God is able to reach and bless you. Amen. Amen. Do you receive the word of the Lord today? Stand to your feet and let's bring the service to close. (laughs) Amen. Close your eyes and let's pray as we bring the service to a close. Hallelujah. You know, today we've shared a whole lot of things. And each one of those things is like a message on its own. But just trying to finish this subject on David. But I want you to pray for yourself. Concerning whichever area God has convicted you. Concerning whatever God has spoken to you in this message whatever God has said to you starting from 
admitting rebels or aligning yourself and relating with the wrong people all the way through to being led by the Spirit of God and praying about everything. Pray about everything. Pray about your admission to that school. Pray about that business. Pray about that relationship. Pray and inquire of the Lord about what your plans are and what you're trying to do. And then the third one is having a pastor. Have someone who can speak into your life. Someone who can rebuke you when you're wrong. When you go off. Because we do go off in life. Sometimes we think we're right. And yet we're wrong. Someone who can tell you stop it. Someone who can tell you go and apologize. Someone who can tell you it's your fault. Someone who is not afraid to say you made a mistake. This is a mistake. Correct it. And whom you will not react negatively to. But whom you can receive from. And whom you can say to yes I will do it. I want you to pray and say, Lord, thank you for speaking to me today in the name of Jesus. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Yes, Lord, Everybody pray, pray and say, Lord, concerning these three areas, yes, pray, Jesus. some of you the Holy Spirit is correcting you yes there are things that God 
is bringing to your mind. These are things you should have brought up. These are things you should have discussed. These are things you should discuss. You should bring it up so that you can receive the counsel of God concerning that area of your life. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you today. That you will be like David and inquire of the Lord. Don't assume. Don't assume that things will work out. Don't assume that things will work out. David didn't assume that the people of Kayla would not betray him. It took prayer to reveal what he could easily have assumed and been wrong about. How often we hurt ourselves. The songwriter said, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. And what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God wants you to come to him about everything. He wants you to pray concerning everything. And you'll be surprised that God has an input to make. God has something to say about that situation. God will give you direction. God will give you counsel. God will give you knowledge. You can know things ahead of time. Through the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of discernment, God can give you knowledge. God can tell you things. You can know things ahead of time. Yes, God can tell you many things. He says, I'll give you a pastor who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Yes. Through the preaching and teaching of the word, through private counseling, one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions, even phone calls, God will reach out into your life. He will reach deeply into your life and minister to you as you need it. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to make a commitment today and say, Lord, I am going to be like David. I want to be one who inquires concerning everything. My schooling, my career, my business, my relationship, my marriage, my children, my finances, what to do, where to go, where not to go. God has something to say. Thank you, Jesus. As we close the service, I want to give you an opportunity if you want to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you're right here with us or you're watching this online or listening to the podcast, but you know in your heart that you are not saved. Today is a day of salvation. God sent me your way. 
to give you one more chance to be saved. Yes, too many times you have turned down this opportunity, but today God is saying that this may be that last chance. You never know. This may be that last chance that God has given you to give your life to him. And so I'm asking you not to let this chance also pass you by. Take advantage of it. Arrest the opportunity and utilize it for your salvation in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Just pray with me. If you want to give your life to Jesus, just raise up your right hand and I will pray with you. You want to give your life to Jesus, just raise up your right hand and I'll pray with you. Just lift up your right hand and say, Pastor, pray with me because I want to give my life to Jesus today. Raise it up. Right. Now say this prayer with me, everybody. If you're online, say this prayer also after me and it will be a blessing. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I know I am a sinner. And you died for my sins. And you died for my sins. Today I come to you. Today I come to you. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. Till I get better before I come. Till I get better before I come. I'm coming to you just as I am. I'm coming to you just as I am. I ask for your blood to wash me. I ask for your blood to wash me. Wash me, Lord. Wash me, Lord. By the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me, Lord, by the blood of Jesus. Make me a child of God. Help me to live for you. And help me to serve you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, please write my name in your book of life. My name is... Mention your name. Say, my name is... Lord, please write this name in your book of life and add me to your children. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you blessed today? Yes. How many have learned something? Yes. How many are going to avoid the wrong people? Yes. Right? You're going to avoid them. That such a person doesn't belong to my life. I can't be your friend. No, I will not eat with you. Yes. And we should no longer be afraid to say to certain people, no, I cannot eat with you. No, I cannot come to such an event. I cannot be at the same place where you are. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. It's right there in the Bible. Amen. And then we must also seek to inquire of the Lord. Hallelujah. Do you know that you have only one life? You can't be reckless with it. You can lose it just by going to the wrong place. Do you see what I'm saying? 
Yes, don't take it for granted. Don't assume that because you went there the last time and nothing happened means you can go there again today and nothing will happen. It's not always the same. Amen. It's not always the same. So you must not take it for granted. Inquire of the Lord. Amen. Ask the Lord, Lord, should I do this? Lord, let me know if it's okay to do this. Is it okay to do this? You know, is it okay to take on a new job? Should I go to that place to apply for a job? Just pray about it. It won't hurt. Amen. And I believe God will direct you. God knows how to reach his children. And by all means, he will give you an answer. Amen. All right. We're going to have communion. We're going to have communion. Um, and we're going to go to the Flow Church. Amen. How many of you are part of Flow Church? Beautiful. Flow Church is our online church. And um, it's a different church from this one. Amen. Yes. So um, I want to encourage all of you to participate and tune in to Flow Church. Subscribe to it. Just go to YouTube or Facebook and just look for Flow Church. There's only one Flow Church in the whole world. Okay. Yes. It has no branches. It's just Flow Flow Church. Amen. So let's do that. And um, okay. So let's have communion now. Take out your communion. Thank you. uh, And then May the Lord bless you and heal you through this Holy Communion in Jesus' name. The body of Jesus broken so that you not be broken in Jesus' name. And the blood Today the blood, lift your hands like this. Remember, Jesus was nailed in his hands and blood came out. Why? The blood that Jesus shed that came for his hands was to bless the work of your hands. Amen. Your work in this life is cleansed and blessed. By the blessing that comes from the blood. Amen. Father, let the blood of Jesus touch every hand, even as yes. the blood came out of your hands for our yes. Thank you that our hands are blessed hands, and everything that we touch and we get involved with yes. will be blessed. Yes. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Lift your hands for your blessing. May the Lord bless you. The Lord increase you. Your church, your ministry, your life, your business, whatever concerns you. May the blessing of the Lord that has come on your hands because of the blood. May your hands be blessed and your work be blessed. 
If the Lord does not bless you, who can bless you? May your ministry see great increase, great blessing. Whatever time of the day you are watching this, may you experience great blessings of the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, the blood that came from the feet, may every journey that your feet take, every place that you put your, the sole of your foot on, be blessed. Yes. Be blessed. Be healed. And be cleansed. You no more go to places to sin because of today's blessing. In the name of Jesus. And these hands will no more be used to sin. And to do evil. May this blessing rest upon you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord bless you. And the Lord help you. Live long. Survive every test. Come out shining. For the glory of God. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now, hallelujah. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? Do you receive that blessing? Amen.